Have you ever felt frustrated because you just couldn't find a lovely book to read? I can start to crave not just a good book, but a book that draws me in and evokes such a deep emotion that I can say, wow, that was a lovely book. Welcome friends. This is Emmy B on Lovely Books Podcast, where it's my job to highlight the lovely books that keep you reading and connect you to the world. If you're new to Lovely Books, this podcast is more than just a best books podcast. It's about the reader's experience and takeaway. No book reviews, no analysis of literary content, just thoughts and personal anecdotes brought to our minds by the characters and subject matter that we love. That's what brings the book to life for you. I hope we give you something to think about, something to laugh about, and something lovely to read. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Lovely Books Podcast. I'm excited to be here with you today. We've got kind of a fun episode lined up today. We're talking about all things personality. Um, We are discussing today Gretchen Rubin's book titled The Four Tendencies. This book has kind of been the talk of the town at my house lately. My sisters, I have four sisters. There's five of us in five years. And my four sisters have... I swear, spent the last year discussing this book. They love it. They've absolutely loved everything about it. So I finally decided to take it on. I am actually, in fact, a fan of Gretchen Rubin, but what I am not a fan of is a personality test. I absolutely hate taking personality tests. I don't want to be confined in a box. I don't want to be defined. Um... That seems very constricting to me and very unfair to me. So I think that's why I initially, I bristled a little bit towards the idea of this book that was going to sort of categorize me. How she defines these personality types is how a person inherently responds to an external and an internal expectation. So we all have expectations all around us. We have people who expect things from us. We have expectations that we have for ourselves. As Gretchen Rubin was actually, as she was writing The Happiness Project, which is a book that we've podcasted about, um, you know, people kept coming to her and saying, how are you able to do this? Why are you able to do this? How come this isn't working for me? And so she kind of wanted to dive into human nature and say, you know, why don't people respond to things the same way that I do? Why aren't they having the same experience that I am? And kind of see if she could define that, um, And this book is the definition that she came up with. So I'm going to kind of give you a brief overview into these four different distinct personality types. And then we're going to kind of look um, at them in comparison to one another. We're going to talk a little bit about how these different personality types interact with each other. And then we're going to get my husband to take the personality test and see if he agrees with what the test says that he is. Um, And we'll compare it to what the test says that I am. So inside this book, there is a personality test for you to take, but you can also find it online um, if you're interested in doing that. Four different categories that she places our human natures in are number one, the upholders. Upholders respond readily to both outer expectations and inner expectations. Questioners um, who question all expectations. They meet an expectation only if they believe it's justified. So in effect, they respond only to inner expectations. 
Then you have the obligers, and they respond readily to outward expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. And then finally, you have the rebel. Um, Rebels resist all expectations, both outer and inner. So at the very beginning of this book, Gretchen acknowledges that of these four tendencies um, that she discovered and that she writes about, um, there is a significant distribution as to where the majority of people fall. So 41% of people are obligers, and that's the largest tendency. These are, I have obligers in my family. These are people who really care about other people's feelings, how their choices affect other people. They don't want to let other people down. Um, The next is the questioner. And again, a questioner is someone who is willing to go along with something if they feel like their questions have been answered. Um, They are the ones who ask why. Why do I have to do that? Why is it this way? But if you give them a reasonable answer that meets up with what their personal belief system is, then they're happy to comply. Um, So then you have the upholders. Now, an upholder is someone who is a rule follower. They want to know what the rules are. They want to know how to follow them. They want to know um, what is expected of them. And they actually find joy and gratification from holding themselves and holding, well, first of all, holding themselves to that standard and meeting it. And also they find satisfaction when they meet the standards that other people have for them. Um, And then, of course, the final one is the rebel tendency, which actually has the fewest members. I was actually a little surprised by that. Um, And only 17% people, um, 17% of people, and Gretchen acknowledges that that, she felt like that was even high, of people are rebels. And rebels are the people who don't want to do what they're told, Um, not because they necessarily disagree with it or um, their belief system tells them that they should be acting or responding in a different way. But the rebels are the people who say, I'm not going to do that just because you told me to. And I am my own person and I can make my own choices and you're not the boss of me. So those are kind of, that's kind of an outline um, of, of the distribution of the number of people who fall into these tendencies and what they all mean. So the next thing I would um, I'd like to do is we're going to get my husband in here and I'm going to give him the test that Gretchen Rubin has on her online website. And we're going to, first of all, see where he falls in these tendencies. And then from there, we're going to compare where he is to where I am. Paul's with us now. Hello, Paul. Hello, dear wife. <laughs> okay, before, before we take this quiz, I would just like to say that Gretchen Rubin says that there is no best tendency. So, Paul, we're taking a quiz that is going to tell us um, whether you have a tendency to respond to external expectations, internal expectations, or both. Okay. Um, But let me first say that Gretchen Rubin says that the happiest, healthiest, and most productive people aren't those from a particular tendency, but rather they're people who have figured out how to harness the strengths of their tendency, counteract their weaknesses, and build lives that work for them. So I already know what my tendency is. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you a quiz to see what yours is. I just want you to know before we start that yours isn't better. Okay. <laughs> I'll take your word for that. And I also want anyone listening to know that I have had zero notice of what this is all about. 
no preparation. I'm getting sideswiped here. I have no idea what's going to happen. And that's what makes it fun. <laughs> okay, you ready? I love being the guinea pig. Okay. Consider the following scenarios. Obviously, you might not find yourself in these situations and you might not react exactly as suggested, but choose the answer that's closest. Okay. okay? Mm -hmm. Question number one. Have you kept a New Year's resolution where you weren't accountable to anyone? A resolution like drinking more water or keeping a journal. So here's your four choices. Choice number one. Sure, I'm good at keeping New Year's resolutions, even ones no one knows about but me. The second answer is sure, I'm good at keeping resolutions, but I make them whenever seems right. I wouldn't wait for New Year's January 1st as an arbitrary date. Um, I've had trouble with that kind of resolution, so I'm not inclined to make one, whether at New Year's or at, or at any other time. And then the final answer is no, I hate to find myself in that way. Um, I say yes, the first one. Okay, sure. I'm good at keeping New Year's resolutions, even ones that no one knows about but me. That's right. Okay. Um, which statement best describes your views about your commitments to yourself? I make a commitment to myself daily only if I'm convinced that it really makes good sense to do it. Number two, if someone else is holding me accountable for my commitments, I'll meet them. But if no one knows except me, I struggle. Number three, I bind myself as little as possible. Number four, I take my commitments to myself as seriously as my commitments to other people. Um, yeah, definitely the last one. For okay. me, there's no difference there. Okay, when you formed a healthy habit in the past, what has helped you stick to it? Number one, I'm pretty good at sticking to habits even when no one else cares. Two, doing a lot of research and customizing and customization about why and how I might keep that habit. Three, I could stick to a good habit only when I was answerable to someone else. And number four, usually I don't bind myself in advance to a particular course of action. Um, the first one, I'm pretty good at sticking to things when I commit to them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I think makes the most sense according to my judgment, even if it means ignoring the rules or other people's expectations. Uh, that's pretty much true. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Um, I've sometimes described myself as a people pleaser. Uh, that would be never. <laughs> never. Uh, okay. I don't mind breaking or violating convention. I often enjoy it. Um, I kind of agree with that, actually. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is step eight. If you do this um, quiz in the book, then you can tally up your answers and get your tendency that way, but we've done it online. Okay. So I'm going to send, you have to put in an email address, but I've done it like 65 times, so I'm already getting Gretchen Rubin's mm -hmm. things. You are an upholder. I'm a what? Upholder. Okay, this is, I would have pegged you a hundred times as an upholder. Here you go. You are an upholder. Okay, according to your answers, your dominant tendency is upholder. Okay, so Paul is an upholder. Upholders respond readily to outer and inner expectations. So one of the main examples that she gives in this is that of making New Year's resolutions. So Paul, are you a New Year's resolution maker? I am, and it's not because I can only make them on New Year's. Uh, like many people scoff at that, but I find New Year's to be a convenient marker of a year's period where I can reflect back and say, mm. Mm. 
But it's always fun to say, you know, this year, maybe I'll set a goal. I think it's fun. So do you you have, um, do you like checklists? Yes. Do you like schedules? Yes. (laughs) Do you get up in the morning and say, I'm going to look over my task list and my to-do list and things that I have to do? Yeah. So she's pegged you right. Yeah, yeah. You are yeah. totally an upholder. Okay, so if you look through, <laughs> okay, so this is what's funny. So can you guess which one I am? Is there a consequence if I get it wrong? No. <laughs> <laughs> let me see. That, let, I haven't There's been no exposed to this. So let me see the other the Okay, other so you have. Let me look at them. Uh, okay, so I've got uh, an upholder, questioner, obliger, and rebel. I mean, I can see you being a rebel. And I can see you being an obliger. Um, I don't see you much as being a questioner. No. Yeah, because uh, you're just like, nope. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> not going to do it because I don't want to. Not going to do it. Don't want to. <laughs> hey, look at this thing. It's really handy and it could be extremely helpful. Nope. No. No. <laughs> not interesting. This thing could prevent you from dying tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Nope. <laughs> not interested. Okay, so the reason why I'm loving this so much, you're absolutely right. I took the, I've taken the quiz like six times. I'm a rebel. Okay, I was say you so. could be an obliger because you know, and sometimes it's like, hey, you know, I really want you to do this thing, and you're like, <laughs> grumble, grumble, grumble. Fine. <laughs> okay. okay. So what I love so much about this book, first of all, is if you look at her little graph. Okay, see this right here. So you can be more than one thing. So you can be like an upholder who leans towards, I would say that you're an upholder who leans a little bit towards questioning because if if you, if somebody presents you with something and they give you a reasonable peer-reviewed foundational research, mm-hmm. reason why you should do it, you'll buy into it. Even if your initial reaction wasn't that that might not be for you. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, you're not really yeah. a people pleaser. No, I'm very much not a people pleaser. It's so far out of my uh, psyche. You know, it's hard for me to even relate with. Okay. But I can relate with Rebel a bit. Okay, right? So, but you here's know. the funny thing. Because I think we're both, I think we both have a little bit of a rebellious tendency. But you are willing to uphold expectations. And you're willing to hold up like, this is the right thing to do. This is the responsible thing to do. I'm not going to do it because I like it. I'm not going to do it because I feel like it. I'm going to do it because I'm an adult and it is what you do. So when you look at the Venn diagram that she's created, she shows like the different directions, which Mm -hmm. two are the polar opposites of each other. Upholder and rebel. Totally. So let's, we're going to share with our listeners one of my favorite things about how we how how even though upholders and rebels might seem like they're the opposite of each other, it works. So yeah, the example is doing the dishes. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, Paul, do you like doing the dishes? Absolutely not. No, you dis- is it fair to say that you really don't want to do the dishes? At, let's see, it's nine fifty two p.m. Yep, do it you, is. Do you want to do the dishes? No. Okay, now ask me. Sweet darling, do you want to do the dishes? No, I do not want to do the dishes at all. You don't? No, I don't like the dishes. Interesting. I don't want to do them. I'm so surprised. I know, right? So before you go to bed tonight, Paul, are you going to do the dishes? Uh, 
Yes. <laughs> not, o- not only is he going to do the dishes, but the man cleans a wicked kitchen. Okay, Paul, if you were not home or you were sick, would I do the dishes? Like, if, I, if, if I you were, were home, if, if you were, were out of town. Okay, if I were out of town, would you do the dishes? No. <laughs> no. If I did do the dishes, how many of the dishes would I do? Uh, just enough to say to yourself that you did a dish or two. Yeah, right? Yeah, because you're not questioning, you know, the sense of... Because if you really questioned whether doing the dishes to reset your day for the next morning made sense, you would know that that's really what you need to do. But... Right? But... No. Legitimately, I do the dishes not because I like it, but because I want to. Because I like waking up in the morning with a pristine, back-to-neutral kitchen so it's an internal expectation for yourself because you you value waking up in the morning Mm -hmm. and having a fresh clean slate to start with that's right for me it's part of winning the day it's winning the morning winning the day it's all part of it and when i go downstairs in the morning first thing it's still dark and i see a messy kitchen it just makes my whole psyche go um does that make sense it does make Dear. sense. I'm still not going to do the dishes. I freaking hate the dishes. And I'm an adult, and no one can make me do the dishes if I don't want to. So how can I reverse psychology this? So Actually, let's say she talks about that. You must not do the dishes. Listen, that? Well, that I'm not even kidding you. She talks about that in this book. She says you have to find a way. The only way to get a rebel to do anything is to make them feel like it's their idea. Hmm. Interesting. I hope you use that against me later. So, <laughs> you mm, like this. <laughs> Just to wrap things up, this is a really fun book. It's fun to look. Paul and I both like self-improvement, self-growth, self-exploration books. It's something that we enjoy individually, but I think it's something that we also both like to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we go about our personal growth in different ways. Paul is really good at making a schedule. He's really good at creating tasks and following through. Um, I I love writing things down, and but because I don't really hold myself accountable, um, I just kind of do what I'm in the mood for. And but we've been able to make it work. But what I wanted to say about this was that um, you know this research is can be um, coined as groundbreaking or something. But the funny the thing that I find so fun about um, self-help books in general is that they're not necessarily teaching us something we've never heard before. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But they help us anyway mm-hmm. because they give us an opportunity to kind of see ourselves within the framework of a comparison to other people and give us, um, give us an opportunity to look at our own strengths and weaknesses and change little things that will hopefully help us be more effective, happier, more fulfilled. Because I will say that even as a rebel, when I let myself down, um, like it takes it, uh, my self-worth takes a hit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, so does she say anything in the book? And of course, people, I have not read the book. Uh, does she say anything in the book about changing your core tendency? No. So here's the thing. So this is what she says. She says it's in, it's inherent. 
Um, and there's not, you're, you're not necessarily going to change the way that you react to the expectations of other people. But if you can acknowledge your reaction to other people, and if I can look at you and I can say, okay, Paul's an upholder, and this is how he's going to react, then I'm not going to take your reactions to things so personally, because I know that that's like your mm -hmm. inherent reaction. Mm -hmm. And then she kind of gives you a little bit of direction on how to be more effective and how to frame things in your life and how to frame things in your own mind in a way where you're able to sort of lean to the positive traits. Because all of these, um, the upholder, the questioner, the obliger, and the rebel, all of these have positive and negatives. You know what I mean? There's good things about being an upholder, but there's also can be some negative things about being an upholder. Mm -hmm. um, and same thing with a rebel. There's some good things about being a free spirit and someone who only wants to do what they want to do and... Um, you know, but at some point you have to like put your big girl panties on and be an adult. <laughs> um, I can't imagine doing that. <laughs> okay. Put your big girl pants on and be an adult. I just think self-help's cool. Self-help is cool. I'm big into it simply because I believe self-awareness is key to, um, attaining some sort of peace. Do you, since this is something we both like, do you have a book or a podcast that you want to recommend to our listeners? I might actually recommend a podcast. I don't usually recommend podcasts, but I usually am more of a book recommender, but I really love Evan Carmichael. Evan Carmichael is, I, I do like his, his YouTube channel simply because he summarizes so many different people. In yeah, it's views. not necessarily his own research and his own stuff, but he does really good, like top fives right he'll do like a top 10 top 10 reasons for whatever uh by so-and-so person and what it what it's done for me is it's intro it, it introduces me to someone's philosophy in a very short amount of time i've been into joe dispenza lately he has fascinating um summaries of research and i'm really enjoying what he's having to say but he does go a little bit far and i won't i won't ruin it for people who want to go check him out i'll, I'll i won't spoil it but um he's been fascinating lately i like um um john azaraf mm -hmm. who also is very akin to joe he's great to listen to and i think in fact uh, john probably got his information from joe okay and potentially vice versa but um those two are really influential to me right now Okay, so this first book that Paul recommended is called You Are the Placebo yep. by Joe Dispenza. Yep. It is fascinating. Cool. Fascinating. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed this podcast with me and Paul. We like to talk about things. Yep. Um, if you have comments um, that you want to leave with us, we'd love to hear from you either on Instagram or I just started a Twitter account. So you can find Lovely Books on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Please leave your comments or any questions you have. Um, and definitely check out this book by Gretchen Rubin, The Four Tendencies. And remember, you can take her quiz online. And we will be back again next week with another Lovely Book.